As you know, we have finished what ended up being, um, what, April 12? 12, 12 uh, sermons on relationships and romance, on a roadmap for righteous relationships. I just want to tell you from the beginning, praise God, we're done. Um, uh, I have, uh, I'm done dating. I have found the jewel of my life. I, I, I'm just so glad that I can implement those biblical principles for marriage now instead of just the ones trying to, trying to find uh, a mate and especially trying to, trying to be the right person. I hope that you've been encouraged and I hope that it will really provide more uh, fodder than anything else for you to continue studying. That was in no way exhaustive in the last few weeks. It was in no way um, comprehensive. There are a lot more issues that can be addressed. There's a lot more things to be discussed. There's a lot more depth that can be taken on any one of those issues. And I hope that it was basically just seed for your, your thought to really spur you on to some greater study. Well, as you said, as I said last week, we wanted to answer some questions that you guys had just out, out of that and do it more of an, in more of a controlled uh, atmosphere where you write them down and I uh, have a little time to, to think about it. And uh, uh, so we're going to just kind of be fairly informal today if we can. And I'll just read through them and um, answer as best I can. And the things I don't know, I'll just ask Dan to answer on because uh, he always has something to say. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Anyway, let me just, let's just plow through them, fair? All right, number one. I've heard many girls speak about your first message on courting not being biblical. They felt you were harsh. Could you clarify why it is not biblical? Yes, I could. Um, uh, let me say again, uh, I never said, nor will I ever say, that courting is unbiblical. And by that, I mean that it's a sin to do that. Unbiblical means that you're doing something against Scripture. I don't believe courting is that way at all. I don't think dating is that way at all. Let me go back to some phrases that I've, heard, I've said all the way through that hopefully will kind of highlight it. Courting is an example. But the modern courtship model that people are propagating today, primarily Jonathan Linval and his, and his website, uh, is not biblical betrothal. Um, it's impossible to make biblical betrothal modern courtship. There are too many variables that, that just make those, those not exact equals. There are some similarities. I, I would give you that. Uh, but what I would say is that um, even if we said that they were identical, and they're not, that's not the only biblical model for getting together. It's nowhere extolled. It's nowhere, nowhere are we told, do it this way, an according model. Um, in fact, the phrase that I keep trying to bring into your mind, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. In other words, it describes what happened. You, you see some people who got betrothed in the Bible, but nowhere does it say, do it like this. So if I can highlight that again, that's all I mean. I, I would never say that courting is unbiblical by that meaning sinful. Uh, I would just say that it's one of many options that uh, it's impossible to say are, is, uh, let's say it this way, it's a model, not the model. Is that fair? It's a model. If you want to do courtship, great. Praise God, implement those biblical principles and, and go after it. But those of you who hold that model, don't look at the rest of us who don't as somehow inferior to your biblical superiority in understanding the scriptures because courtship is not the biblical model. My favorite as we've gone along is, the, is Ruth. Ruth went in just, you have as much right to do courtship and say that's biblical as for someone, one of you ladies, to go in and find a guy who's sleeping, lay down by his feet, when he wakes up, propose to him. That's what Ruth did. That's descriptive in the Bible. It describes what happened. It's not prescriptive. It tells you what's going on. So I hope that's clear. I, I'm not against courtship. I'm against people saying courtship is the only way. I have a problem with that. Another question. 
How many times does the girl have to say, I'm sorry, but I only see you as a friend, before the guy should finally get it, right? (laughs) In other words, if a guy is pursuing a girl and she turns him down, is it appropriate for him to keep trying because you never will know what God's plan for the future is? (laughs) Should he respect her choice, decision, or reason to stop pursuing her? Yeah. Next question. Uh, No. Guys, if you express your feelings to a girl and she doesn't reciprocate that, those feelings in the words of the New Testament, shake the dust off your feet and move on. All right? Get a clue. Now, if you think that there's some reason to continue on in that, I mean, you're fine. You can wait. But that, just because you're waiting doesn't mean that she's going to come around or, or that you're necessarily God's gift to her or her to you. Um, if you want to wait around, that's fine. I waited around for my wife for a while and ended up getting her. You might not. Actually, you won't get my wife, you, your wife. <laughs> so, um, uh, just a wise... If you, if you express your feelings and the, and the girl doesn't, isn't interested in that, then honor that. Did you hear that? Honor it. Now, if you want to pursue it again sometime, maybe that's okay. Not next week, all right? Uh, if you want to give less some time, uh, um, uh, drift under... Uh, that bridge and that that would be fine. But guys, you need to honor a girl. If a girl exp- if you express your interest and she's not interested, guess what? She's not interested. Um, don't give me this spiritual jargon. Well, you know, well, you never know what God's future is. Well, I know what God's future is. It's not you two right now, so get on with your life. Pursue the Lord, and if He's going to bring you together, let me tell you, He can do that. You don't need to manipulate the circumstances around that. Another question, if a girl believes in her heart that God has put it on her heart to serve him in missions or some other specific ministry, should she distance herself from a guy who's pursuing her automatically if uh, uh, he doesn't share the same desire? That's a good question. I've known a lot of girls. In fact, my wife was that way. When I first met Kim, she was pursuing getting some further education and going to go to Hungary to work as a missionary in uh, a mission. Uh, I... I was in an orphanage, rather. I was really attracted to that. I think, though, that, ladies, what you need to understand is that uh, two principles that will, will help you on that. Number one, you pursue the Lord with all your mind and what you believe He's calling you to do. If God interposes a man in, that, in your life, in a relationship, and you want to commit to Him, at that point, follow Him. If he wants to work at IBM down here in Hollywood and you wanted to go to, to, to Uganda, you don't have to marry him. But if you're going to choose to love him, choose to follow him. Is that fair? Another question. What is the definition of defrauding? How do I know if I'm doing it or if someone is doing it? Um, would this be an example? I find myself attracted to a, uh, or liking a guy. This is obviously a girl writing this. Um, <laughs> But then later I, can, I find out that God has plans for the guy I like and the girl who I had told I liked. This is the stuff that soap operas are made of. Um, uh, look, def- defraud is a big deal, but don't make a bigger deal of it than you need to. Defraud simply means to, to uh, make someone think something that's not going to happen and it doesn't happen. Now, if you defraud someone, you know what you do? Ask forgiveness and move on. It's not the end of life. It's God's, not God's best for you in that category. If you are defrauded or if someone defrauds you, make it right with the biblical means of restoration and reconciliation and then move on. 
Just because you're, you've committed to someone and you've gone further maybe with your actions or with your words than you now want to and you want to uh, back out of that, there's two ways to look at that. Psalm 15 says, Blessed is a man who swears to his own hurt and does not change. That's a principle you can use. I'm going to stick with this no matter what. However, I think that greater wisdom and even counsel from other people would say, if you're only going to marry someone because you're stuck with what you said, you're going to have a problem in your marriage. Better to say, I made too rash a a decision or commitment. Please forgive me for that and move on with your lives. Don't hang on to this this commitment like it's going to... Let me just say it this way. If you're not happy about pursuing someone, then stop pursuing them. If you're not happy about being pursued by someone, stop them from pursuing you. Now you say, well, what about swearing to your own hurt? What about Psalm 15? You, you, you sinned. You probably defrauded someone. So ask forgiveness of them and the Lord and make a better decision next time. Is that fair? Uh, how does culture and age, uh, age difference affect a marriage? Uh, quite a bit. And all I can tell you to answer that question, I think it's a fair question. What if you're interested in someone from another culture? What if you're interested, with someone, uh, interested in someone 10 years older or, or even older than that? How does that uh, bring to bear uh, the different nuances of a relationship? A lot. The best way to figure that out, I think, is just to pursue that discipleship relationship with someone, a guy with an older man, a girl with an older woman, and then you guys can sort that out in the context of greater wisdom than just yourself. Another question. Can you further clarify why courting is unbiblical? Did I tell you guys that I don't think courting is unbiblical? Do I need to describe it, to tell you that again? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, thank you. There's about five questions in there, so I want to make sure I'm getting it. Uh, is it wrong, another question, of us being human to have thoughts of lust without going through with them? Yes. Now, let me qualify that in two ways. Uh, a, a lustful thought can easily be caught and repented of and not dwelled upon. A lustful thought that becomes fantasies, that becomes uh, things that you're, you're, you're working out in your mind, you've definitely crossed the line. If you have a lustful thought, you ought to do, I hope, what, what the Scriptures implore you. This is what I would do. Lord, thank you for sex. It's your gift. It's wonderful. You've given me these desires and these urges. Thank you for that. And also thank you for the context that you've created for me for that wonderful privilege. And that's my wife, Kim. Now, if you're not married, just say thank you, Lord, for, uh, for uh, these thoughts of, of wanting to um, exercise the gifts of, of sex that you've given me. But I can't do that right now. So please give me victory over this part of my life. You ever think about this? God would never, ever, ever... Ever, according to 1 Corinthians 10, allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Lust becomes a problem not when it's a fleeting thought that's repented of and prayed about. Lust becomes a problem when it's Romans 13, 14. It's a plan. It's a provision. It's a strategy. You're trying to look at stuff you shouldn't look at. You're trying to be with a person. You're trying to stare. You're trying to drum up these fantasies in your mind. That's when it's a problem. The thought that you'd like to have a, a, a wonderful relationship, sexual relationship with someone is not a bad thought, but it has parameters and a context, and that's the wedding bed. You mentioned in uh, a view that if you had sex with someone that God would want you to marry that person. Would you do, what do you believe about that? Would you uh, say that someone who has had sex with numerous people before their salvation has to 
obviously pick someone or whatever. Um, uh, there's been a lot of uh, debate about two passages, Deuteronomy 22, Exodus 22, which talks about the Old Testament law demanding and requiring that a man and a woman who have slept together uh, get married as long as it's um, condoned by the parents of the, of the daughter. The New Testament also brings greater light into that. 1 Corinthians 7 says, Only marry in the Lord. So if, if you've uh, violated someone who's not a Christian, obviously that's an issue that brings to bear in that. Uh, frankly, I'm not really sure that the scriptures in the New Testament are that clear that you have to marry someone that you had sex with. I've not counseled that way in, uh, in a, a lot of situations. Some I have. Um, it becomes awfully difficult when you've uh, you know, messed around with a lot of people. Do you go back to the first one or do you go back to the last one? Or do you go back to the one you like best? I mean, what, what do you do here? I think that the greater bearance of wisdom would come, greater um, wisdom of Scripture would come to bear on this, rather, and say this. Seek godly counsel. Remember that discipleship relationship? We kept pounding with your pastors, with your elders, with your shepherds, with your disciplers, and see if this is best. Let me say this very clear. Sex doesn't make a marriage. Okay? Please understand that. Just because you had sex with someone doesn't mean that you're married to them. That's an old view that came out of, a, uh, of the dark ages. If you did that, then you're, you, you're married. Well, that's not true. There's a lot more than that that makes um, a marriage. It's a promise. It's a covenant. Um, so uh, if you're wrestling through that, then I would say seek someone who's godly and who can look at the relationship you have with this person to see if the marriage is best. Now, obviously, if there's a child involved, it becomes a lot more complicated than that. And really, I'm not trying to dodge the question. Those situations are better worked out in personal counseling and, and discipleship rather than in a big group. Another question. When do you feel it's appropriate to express your interest to a girl? There are times, uh, there are times where you may be interested but not really wanting to pursue her yet. Do you tell her? That's a good question. We talked about, if you have intentions, tell someone. Well, you can be interested and kind of check things out before you tell. You, you don't go out with someone the first time with a group of people. You're sitting at Coco's and you say, and everyone's around. You say, hey, by the way, I think you're the one. Not altogether wise, okay? <laughs> Just because you feel it, don't say it. Um, before I told uh, uh, someone, if I were you, before I would tell someone that you're interested, guys, I would get, like I said, some counsel. Uh, from some godly people in your life to say, is this best? Is this wise? Is this the right time? Uh, what are the, the individual circumstances that would come to bear on that? Um, I think that you can communicate that when you're ready to do something about it, which is pursue testing the water for marriage. Um, I wouldn't go any further than that. What do you think the most uh, important thing or key to having a pure, healthy, godly, good relationship is. I already understand the pursuit of God first, but what else? You know, we had those ten C's that we, we put up at the end in the last three weeks, but can I tell you that probably the best, if, if I could sum it all up, the one that really uh, launches all of the rest of these uh, um, uh, principles into perspective is communication. Because you're only going to find out about all of those principles if you're communicating and if you're listening. One of the best things you guys can do right now is learn to be a biblical communicator and learn to be a good listener. So if I had to work on one thing right now above everything else, I would work on communicating. Spend some time in Ephesians chapter 4. Should you still ask her parents at the start to date her if you don't know them at all? I would, yeah. Why not? 
Is that biblical? No. Is there a book, chapter, and verse? No. But I'm telling you, you want the parents' blessing, I hope, don't you? Uh, call up someone, uh, calling a father up in Idaho or back in New Jersey or something and saying, Hey, look, I'm, my name is Rick Holland. I'm interested in your daughter. Um, uh, da, da, da. I'd love to pursue her and spend some more time with her. I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But again, I wouldn't hold you to a legalistic um, standard on that. Did you kiss Kim before you were married? Yes, I did. <laughs> did you kiss anybody else before you were married? Yes, I did. I'm adding questions now. Would you condone that? No, I wouldn't. You know, I, I don't want to be too, um, too graphic with you, but my wife knows all about this. I had a, a, a high school reunion a few years ago. And there was one girl in particular that I spent a lot of time with. And we, um, uh, we sinned in our relationship physically with each other. And I went up to her at the reunion and just begged her to forgive me with her husband standing there. Now, he wasn't listening. He was standing off the side. I just wanted him close by in case she wanted to say, Hey, come and beat this little guy up again. I mean, not, not again. He didn't, I didn't know the guy. <laughs> I didn't know him in high school. But uh, he was, he was off, off the side here, and I just addressed her, and I said, You know, would you please forgive me for um, violating you and for not, uh, for not honoring the Lord in our relationship then? Now, I, I wasn't a Christian then, but I still wanted to ask her forgiveness for that. And she said, yeah, and then she introduced me to her husband and her kids. And it, it was a very healing thing, for me at least, to kind of get rid of that burden. Um, you know, just because uh, someone's asked me before, well, you know, you're saying be careful kissing and being physical. Uh, what about you? Look, I'm not the example. I'm not the standard. I hope that you never look to me as the standard, but look to the scriptures as the example. I know looking back... Uh, through the years of experience and the years of studying the Word of God and looking back at the mistakes I made. And just because uh, someone in leadership did something that's uh, not the best doesn't give you the license to go do it. So, um, yes, I did kiss Kim, and she's a good kisser. So, um, would God prefer us to marry or to not marry? And what verses are there for the answer? Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 tells us very clearly that it is good to not marry. Ephesians 5 tells us clearly that marriage is good. Genesis chapter 2 tells us that marriage is good as well. I told you that in Genesis 2, it goes through the series in Genesis 1 about God created and called it good. God created and called it good. And then something wasn't good. It said it's not good for the man to be alone. So then God created the woman and he goes back at the end and says, Behold, it was very good. It was wonderful. So... Um, the Bible condones and extols marriage. The Bible also condones and extols being single. It doesn't tell you that you need to do one or the other. It does tell you, though, if you're single, to pursue unhindered ministry and undistracted devotion to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7. And if you're married, to use your marriage as such an example of love that it will be a light, and a, revel- a light and an example, rather, to a lost and dying world of the gospel. So it doesn't tell you which way, which way you have to go. It just says, whatever state you're in, use it for the Lord. Remember our definition of, of, uh, of why God gave marriage, right? It's to, um, to serve and to glorify and to represent God in ways with a spouse that you could not with a single. And I'd say that God's purpose for being single is to glorify, represent, and uh, present Christ in every context that you could as a single that you're not going to be able to when you're married. It all comes back to the Lord. 
Does unequally yoked apply to how strong a Christian one is? That's a good question. Uh, we talked about in 2 Corinthians 6, not yoking yourself. Remember that passage? There's a big piece of wood that you're, uh, comes out of Leviticus not to put like a cow and a sheep together to plow a field. They'll exasperate one another. You don't put uh, two different kinds of animals in a yoke, a piece of wood that binds them together. Clearly it means from 2 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 7 at the end that in marriage you should only marry in the Lord. And obviously if you're going to marry someone you date, you should only date someone who's in the Lord. No missionary dating. What, how does that come to bear, though, with the strength of a Christian? I think it does. If you are pursuing the Lord and they just have lip service to the Lord, you're not going the same direction. You're not as equally yoked, let's say it this way, as equally yoked as you could be with someone who is really pursuing the Lord. And the best way to work, work that out, again, is with someone who's in your life who can help you make that call. How much can a couple implement biblical roles of marriage into dating relationships... That is, the guy uh, supposed to lead and disciple the girl, even in a dating relationship. Uh, that's a good question. There's a fine line in a relationship when that begins to happen. I will say it this way, though. Ladies, you're not going to have to wait for the guy to lead. He should lead in his relationships, period. Not just romantically, but if you're a friend of his, the direction of the relationship as a result of knowing him ought to be to the Lord, ought to be serving the Lord, talking about sermons, talking about things he's learning. That's a leadership. It's not like you're, you're, you're uh, spending time with someone and then they, uh, he, he you know, pulls the car over on the five freeway and says, Now I'm going to lead you. <laughs> Guess what? Leaders lead. That's what they do. A leader leads. So, girls, you should be watching for principles of leadership in his life. Now, where that comes in submission is a fine line. And I would say you only begin doing those kinds of submissive attitudes... When you're pursuing marriage, when marriage is being discussed and you're talking about it. Now, uh, you should always be submitting to the Lord. You should always be honoring His Word. But in terms of, of uh, honoring what this guy says, uh, that's only for marriage stuff. So, reserve it for that. Um, I'm afraid to commit to a relationship because I had a sexual relationship when I was not saved. I've repented and accepted Christ. Now I clearly understand what kind of relationship can glorify God. But I still have memories of before. That is the old relationship. And I'm afraid that I'll have those memories even if uh, uh, a guy would be interested in me. Would I be sinning? Is it normal that I'm having those memories, both sexual and emotional? Well, let me say this. There is no delete button for your brain. Don't you wish there was? Don't you wish a lot of those things you've experienced or seen uh, that cause memories that are, that are not conducive to holiness, you could just push delete and they would be gone? Just because you have those thoughts of past relationships um, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not ready for another relationship. It's what you do with those thoughts. Do you take them to the Lord in prayer? Have you saw some discipleship on them? Do you know clearly why you made those, those mistakes? Um, do you know what, the, the pattern of thinking that led you into uh, getting in bed with a guy who wasn't your husband? If you can sort that out, you're never, ever going to push delete. I know that from my own life. I had to go to a girl at a high school reunion and say, Will you please forgive me for uh, sinning against you? So, um, now, is all of that stuff still in my mind? Sure it is. The issue becomes, do you dwell on it? Do you think about it? And again, discipleship 
with an older godly woman. This is a girl who wrote this. would help clear some of that up. Furthermore, does this mean that I have not completely or truthfully forgiven my ex-boyfriend since I still have flashbacks of it? Uh, no. Uh, the only person, let me say it this way, the only person in Scripture who can forgive and forget is God. Remember the psalm? He puts our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a whole lot farther than the north is from the south. You know that, right? Because if you, go the, if you go to the north, you eventually stop going north and you start going south again. If you go east, you go east forever. If you go west, you go west forever. What he's saying is, I'll forget your iniquities. I'll put them out of my sight, out of my mind. Listen very carefully. I don't think God wants us to forget those things that we've forgiven or been forgiven for in this sense. If you forget, you've lost the lesson you learned in forgiving. You understand what that means? If you're just saying, well, I forget it. Well, then you've lost the lessons you learned in forgiving. So it doesn't mean you dwell on it. It just means you can't push delete for your brain. Some other questions that have come up, and that's just kind of a sampling of some of the ones that we had. Some other questions uh, uh, have come up. Well, what, um, what happens... If you're fairly interested in a girl, or she's fairly interested in you if you're a guy, um, what's the trigger to start this thing? Uh, Again, it's communication. Talking. And let me encourage you to spend time in as many contexts as you can with someone before you start talking about marriage with them. You want to see them around their best friends. You want to see them around their parents. I always tell tell a girl, watch how this guy treats his mom. And you're going to get a good insight in how he's going to treat you. And that's first Thessalonians. That's not in the Bible, but it's a real good indicator. A guy who's rude, who doesn't know how to handle conflict or work out uh, stress with his mother is going to have problems. Why do you say that, Rick? This is the woman he's closest to who he's lived with for the longest amount of time. Does that make sense? It should, you should see patterns emerging. So watch for, for how he relates. Uh, same thing with the guys and watching... Uh, um, a girl and how she would relate to her parents, her father especially. Um, someone even asked, how far can you go and not be sinning? Uh, get the tape. Uh, um, don't ask the question, please. How far can you go, face the sin, says, how close can I get to the fire without being burned? How holy can I be? Well, then, when do you, then the, the question is, well, when do you start holding hands? When do you start putting your arm around? When do you snuggle, bunny? When would you kiss? When would you... I'd say none of that should happen until you're serious enough to be talking about marriage. Otherwise, why would you do that? Ever thought about that? Why are you holding her hand? Because it feels nice. Why is she holding your hand? I I don't know. Why don't you ask her? Can you imagine that? Can I hold your hand? Sure. Why? (laughs) Why do you want to hold my hand? Kissing. There is so much debate going on around, around about kissing. Everything from uh, kissing each other, engaged, not engaged, g- kissing, dating, g- goodbye, or what? I mean, kissing, 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 kissing. Um, just think of it this way. If you don't do that, that's something you can always do. Once you do do it, you can't push delete. Was, was that redundant? You understand what I'm saying? If you haven't done it, you can still do it sometime. If you've already done it, then you've got to deal with it. So just wait. What's the big deal about waiting? Well, Rick, you don't understand. I've got urges. I've got impulses. 
I've got desires. And I'll say, okay, excuse me. I'll go pick up the phone and say, hi, did you know that you're just, you know, uh, a receptacle for urges, impulses, and desires? Is that really why you do that? If you're doing anything physical because of selfish reasons, guess what that's called? Selfishness. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about a, a perfect physical relationship in which a man is only out to please a woman and a woman is only out to please a man and they both get pleased because neither are being selfish. That's how the marriage bed is supposed to work. And when you begin messing around before your marriage, you're not thinking about the other person or you wouldn't be doing that in the first place. You're only thinking about yourself. Another question that came up a few times I want to address. What if we're in a physical relationship right now? How can we stop? One of two ways. Okay? Number one, stop for a period of time and get married. Quicker than later. You're messing around with God's... If, if that's the Lord's will and He wants to do that, then stop doing it. First Thessalonians 4, break, break uh, the physical contact. Establish purity and then get married so that you won't burn anymore. There's another option. The very fact that you've done that and she's done that or she's done that and you, or, or, uh, he's done that. If you've done that, whoever's doing it, <laughs> something's wrong. Something's seriously wrong in your relationship. How do you pray together after that? How can you pray together after that? You say, oh, well, we pray a lot, Rick. It's usually to ask forgiveness for what we've done. Well, if that's the, the content of your prayer life, you're in really, really sad shape. If you're in a relationship that's gotten too physical, again, seek some accountability and some counsel. Set up parameters. Don't spend a lot of time alone in places where you can get in trouble. Told you before, Kim and I got engaged. We basically dated at Starbucks. Neither of us even drank coffee. Neither drink, we, we don't like coffee. We just went to Starbucks, ordered hot chocolate, and planned our wedding. Why? You know what? We wanted to do the things that married people do. And that's an okay thing to want to do. We wanted to stay public, though, so we wouldn't get in trouble. I told you guys, I used to drive her up to her apartment and say, when her roommate wasn't there, and I just said, get out, go. Bye. Don't linger. See ya. I want you. And I'll get you in about three weeks. So just go right now. That's a wonderful thing to desire. It's, listen. Please, in all of our discussion of purity, if you in any way begin thinking of sex as evil or bad or wicked or perverse, then you've missed the point of the Word of God. It's a wonderful, beautiful gift of God to two married people. And in that context, it's wonderful. But outside of that context, you're violating what God's wanted you to do. If you're messing around, man, please talk to someone. Don't just quit playing the Christian charade that we come and sit together in church. Girls, let me tell you something. If you're in a relationship with a guy and it's gotten physical and you haven't repented, that's a great reason to question his leadership. It doesn't bother me so much when a couple comes into my office, as many of them have, Rick, we're really struggling in this area. Will you help? That's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing to bring the Word of God to bear on people's lives to, to establish purity. What's a horrible thing is to see people just saying, well, let's not tell anybody. Let's just work this out together by ourselves. Well, just being together by yourself place. So get some accountability and get some help. And you know what? Breaking it entirely off, maybe even forever, may be the best thing. It doesn't have to be. It may be. You just need to be open to what God wants, 
not just what your hormones want. Well, let me wrap up. You guys have sat through a lot of stuff in the last few months, actually. And um, again, I would tell you it wasn't comprehensive. Even a lot of the stuff that we've answered today aren't black and white biblical issues as much as wisdom principles and wisdom issues um, that need to be worked out with the godly influences in your life. But please look up, please listen. I want to beg you. If I could get on my knees and it would make a difference, I would. I want to beg you. Waiting is worth it for the right person in the right time. It's much better to be lonely than to be miserable. It's much better to cry yourself to sleep on your pillow than to cry yourself to sleep in bed with a person who doesn't love you, who doesn't care about you. Waiting is worth it. And while you're waiting, work on your own self and pray that God's working on that person who He can bring to you. You know what? He may never bring anyone. It's a possibility. And if He doesn't, and it's your desire, just remember this. God is not the cosmic killjoy up there trying to mess with your life. He has not deemed that that would be good for you at this point in life. So just be content with the Lord. I feel like we can boil our whole relationship series down to this. Trust, follow, and serve Christ. If you do that, everything else, it'll work out. If you have further questions, uh, you guys can always give me a call. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll give you Dan's number and he can, he can uh, answer any questions. Or I'll give you Bill and Phil's number, our elders, and they can do the same. Uh, just seek some counsel with people around. I hope that, that, that you're able to discuss these things and not just take them at face value and measure them against the Scripture. Like I said uh, earlier, next uh, year, decade, century, and millennium, we are going to begin a series that I'm very selfishly starting. We've been so focused horizontally on relationships, I think it's easy for us to lose our edge with our, with our focus on the Lord. And uh, we're going to study what God is like. Just snapshots of deity. What, what, um, the attributes of God is, is kind, of a, uh, it's kind of a sterile name for it. It's more of the snapshots of deity. What God is really like. And uh, I'm doing that because I'm selfish and I want to study God again rather than just relationships. And I think as you do that, then the relationships will come into greater focus. And, guys and girls, listen. You've seen the people who are here during the relationship series. Now look around and find out if they're still here when we're studying God. Okay? They wanted to study relationships. See if they want to study God. And um, some of you guys we won't see until uh, uh, after the break. Have great holidays and uh, pursue the Lord. Be pure and holy. Be a representation of Christ um, to your families and to the people you're going to be spending time with. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this last three months that we've been studying together. I pray that the Words that have been true will continue to ring in the students' ears and those where I've over or understated something will be somehow divinely deleted, somehow divinely edited so that they would only follow you and only follow your truth. We long to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.